We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA front office show. I want to say fall is in the air. Technically, it's not quite fall just yet, but it feels like it because NBA media days are being announced around the league. Teams are starting to say when they're going to be speaking to the media, when training camp is starting. We're less than two weeks away from actual basketball being played for preseason. It's here. It it feels like the changing of the seasons is here. NBA basketball almost back. Let's go, Keith. I know you're a little under the weather, but I'm sorry. I can't hide my excitement. No, man, I'm excited too. I've got one of those like late summer, let's call it early fall. Let's yeah. just lean all the way into it. Uh, early fall colds and it's just kind of kind of kicking my butt. But that's my own fault. I, I you know, spent all night Friday night at homecoming uh, in the rain uh, with, with, with our daughter. She really wanted to go. It was her first ever homecoming game to go to. She watched exactly zero minutes of it. So that was great too um but her school won so so we'll take that but yeah it was uh just one of one of those things you know i should know better but but i didn't but yeah man we're yeah media days at the end of the week we, we've mm-hmm. got a handful of media days and then we got preseason a week from friday uh, i know i'm gonna get up get up a little early and watch at six in the morning uh, is my plan here oh you are Coast. committing to yeah, that okay i think so right. i think i'm gonna um i'm at least gonna tape it and then i'll just tell everybody i was up so no one will know the difference um but yeah man i can't wait we're we're we're, we're really there rosters are starting to take shape and we're gonna get into some of that here on, on this a uh, couple more uh free agents off the board as well and we're we're cranking along man we're almost there that's right okay so i just looked it up because I, I i thought this was correct, but September 22nd officially marks the start of fall. So we're almost there. We're close, close enough. enough. Close yeah. Enough. But what is it? They say good enough for government work, right? Close, good <laughs> enough for us here on the front office show. There you go. And there you go. It wasn't the saying close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades and seasons of the year, right? That's, yeah, that's right. And it doesn't count that much in horseshoes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that's we're Yeah, we're full on dads. Like, that's, that's right. Total dad line right there. Yeah, that's you know? right. That's I realize oh. I'm turning more and more into my father every day, and it's just is just brutal. Uh, this has been the Keith and Trevor are getting old show. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about some NBA transactions. So, so Dennis Schroeder finally finds a home, and it's with my Lakers, uh, landing with LA veteran minimum deal for one year. Keith, you and I talked about this a little bit last week about how there was an expanding market for his ser- for his services after he played well in Eurobasket. Maybe. 
maybe an overlooked part of this is that he was playing well in Eurobasket without an NBA contract. There's a lot of players that wouldn't take sure. that risk. And so there was some admiration for him for the guts kind of go because look, look if he gets hurt he's out of the league right he doesn't have a contract mm -hmm. he's not getting paid for a year uh, but he went out over there played well and ultimately wound up back with the Lakers we could talk about the Lakers fit in just a minute but what are your thoughts just in general on on Schroeder now finally end of end of uh, September here almost fall finally getting an NBA contract yeah I, I mean this is a guy who is a hundred percent deserves a spot in the league i'm I'm not the biggest dennis Schroeder guy yeah. around but he is a good player um who should be at the very least a good backup scoring guard on a pretty good team and i think that's really what his role is going to be here for the the lakers i think we're going to see him uh play quite a bit uh off their bench well we'll see ultimately you know i i know people instantly jump to this means westbrook is getting traded mm -hmm. i don't think this is what that means at all i don't think Schroeder being there changes anything with westbrook if, if he's going to get traded he's going to get traded if he's not he's not it, that situation is independent of this but i think it was the lakers saying hey for a veteran minimum we can get a guy who is a steal on a vet minimum let's go you know this is a guy who's he's going to give you what somewhere between 10 and 15 points per game off the bench can start if you need him to um you know can kind of do his thing um you know there i i think handing him the reins and saying go off the bench is the best thing for him um i think that's the the role he should play he was better in that role uh with the celtics last year than he was in the game he had to start um but yeah it's i have no issue with this signing at all and this is uh you know quite frankly it's a little surprising it took this long to get there because i think he was pretty clearly the the best uh free agent left on the board absolutely absolutely and i think for a lakers team that that frankly they they need nba talent they need guys who are are competent nba players and you know yep. that's what you're going to get out of Dennis Schroeder. Now, fit-wise, I mean, now they've got Kendrick Nunn, Dennis Schroeder, Patrick Beverly, and Russell Westbrook all on the same team. Now, I've been trying to sort – I've been watching Lakers fans trying to talk themselves into this working, which this is what we do this time of year, right? There's sure. you know, optimism reigns. This is the honeymoon period, and all everybody's zero for zero. I still look at this, and I think, how are you going to make this work? The word is – from a few different people, our, our friend Mark Stein, as well as Dan Wakey of the LA Times, that the Lakers see Russell Westbrook and Dennis Schroeder as point guards, that those two players will battle it out for the starting job, that Westbrook isn't even a lock to start. That's a whole other discussion, though. That two guards are Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn pushing Austin Reeves to the three, and that Patrick Beverly is seen as more of a 3-and-D wing at this stage of his career than anything else. Now that's me, you know, Frankensteining together a few different reports there. But mm -hmm. to me, that's madness and is going to create a massively undersized rotation. Outsider perspective, any chance this works for the Lakers? Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with the thought that Patrick Beverly is more of a three and D wing. We think mm -hmm. three and D wing, six five to six foot eight, kind of your classic Danny Green type guy, huh. Contavious Caldwell Pope. Like those are the guys that we tend to kind of put in that role, but Beverly is very good defensively against anyone one through three, as long as they're not super strong and going to back them into the goal, he's going to hold up. And, and, and I, so that part, I don't really worry too much about. He's never been a traditional point guard 
Toby's not the kind of guy who's going to break break down a team off the dribble. He's not mm-hmm. going to run a ton of pick and rolls. He's always been better when he's paired with another uh, high level or high usage ball handler. I guess is what a better way to put that. Um, so yeah, so I do kind of view him as more of like an off ball guy. What I wonder though is. In all of these reports, because I saw all these, this was Friday, right? That, that mm-hmm. this went down. Nobody mentioned Lonnie Walker in any of these reports. Like, what is Lonnie Walker then? That's... Because he's not big enough to be a three. Um, you know, I know they're saying Austin Reeves maybe a three. I don't. I, I think Lonnie Walker six four. Just so for just so everybody knows. Yeah, and and he's not he's not like a big no. six four either. Like like a guy like um, Gary Payton the second is like six three six four, but he's kind of big. He's kind of rugged, you know. So you could kind of put him out there and, and ask him to defend a lot of guys. Walker's just he's a little more wiry and those kind of things. And I'm not fully sold that I don't still like him the best kind of upside as a scorer and the things he can do of, of this entire grouping here. I think what the Lakers have done is they've put themselves in a position where now you get a lot of guys and you've got a, you're asking Darvin Ham in his very first training camp as the head coach, Hey, figure this out. Right. So we're sort through it, you know, sort through the guards. Now we're only hearing Kendrick, not <laughs> puppies here. Um, we're only hearing Kendrick. Nunn is just now starting to like get, get cleared for contact. Um, and those kind of things. So I think that's a little like, I mean, that's the worst like bruise I think I've ever heard of in my life. There had to be something more going on there. And then, yeah, if Westbrook gets traded, <laughs> Tatum is in the frame. He's saying, look, <laughs> you've got to go. Buddy. <laughs> Tatum heard Lakers and his ears that's perked it. up. That's, that's, a, yeah, that's, some, that's some foreshadowing there, Keith. Something like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he got angry is what it was. His dad um, but yeah, I, you know, if Russ gets traded now, at least you're dealing from a slight position of strength as far as depth goes, right? Because I look at none and Beverly are more combo guard types, right? Um, Schroeder, I see, is a more traditional point guard. Not that Beverly and none can't, you know, play that spot as well. So, so I, I'm very curious to see how this all plays out. My guess is, too, there's a sense of Beverly misses a lot of games every year just with the way he plays. Maybe they are going to start to really ramp down with Russ and play him slightly differently. And then what you may see is we need extra depth in the backcourt because of those things. And then who knows what none status is as he comes back. But yeah, it, it's going to be uh, something that Darvin Ham's got to work out now because now you get a lot of guys. And much like we said last year, a bunch of these guys who were playing on one-year contracts. And that's not always a great place to be because that starts to turn into – all right, these guys are playing on one-year contracts, and if they start hunting and need minutes and those kind of things, that becomes an issue. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, of the, what, there's 14 players on the roster right now. Of those, 11 of them are on one-year one year deals. I mean, technically, you know, Damian yeah. Jones is a player option for a second year, sure. but you're talking about LeBron, AD, and, and Max Christie, and that's it. Everybody else is, is yeah. a one-year contract, so... <laughs> Um, that could so close to my dream, Trevor, of like all contracts expire at the same time for a team. It's like <laughs> so close. And it's, you know, maybe when, uh, when LeBron and AD's contracts expire at the end of the 24, 25 season, we'll get there. We've never seen that. Have we a team that, no. com- that is complete tabula rasa has a blank slate at the end of a season. Always wanted. Hey, it's like, like my full dream. Cause it's like an expansion team, but full books are clear mm-hmm. and you, you don't even have like, right. Cause you come out of an expansion draft with a couple contracts you don't want and those kind of things. Right. And then, you know, you still have uh you're usually in the first couple of years are operating under a limited salary cap. And you know, that's, it's always been my dream, man. 12 open roster spots, just 12 roster charges and that's it. But 
at yeah. some, some point, at some point, somebody is going to bring Daryl Morey back, and then it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, right. And then he's going to sign twelve Rockets. Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to happen. I mean, they're going to they're going to bring him into the fold, and he's going to yeah. trade everybody on a on a team, something like that. Or or maybe that's more of a Sam Hinkie thing. Could be. They'll, Could they'll be. bring him in. Sure. And, and he'll do something like that. But yeah. in any event, yes, the Lakers almost to Keith's cap nirvana, but but not quite. Uh, I'll say too, I want to throw out there, you and Sean did a good job. I actually tuned in a little bit Friday afternoon and watched you guys live, uh, breaking it all down. And I know you, you, (laughs) I think you started out saying like, Hey, we don't really have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the jerseys. And then all of a sudden it's like Schroeder signed and and you did a great job, man, adjusting on the fly. And, and uh, both of you did a good job reacting to everything, you know, live, especially that chat was full of where's Russ going. Russ must be gone now. It's done. You know, announce the Russ trade and all those things. And like, yeah, and then there was like eight articles that dropped that felt like in the next like 15 minutes about that was crazy. What does the Schroeder signing mean? And it's like, it's funny because all of them are like, it could mean these 57 things, but right. really it's just a nice depth pickup for the Lakers <laughs> on the chat. <laughs> well, peek behind the curtain for, for Sean and I, that meant essentially in order to like get through some of those articles, which clearly some of them have been written before the Schroeder thing. And that, yeah, like absolutely. the same yeah. make Yovan Boo, yeah. they were written before and then they came out. But in order to kind of parse through those, it was, Sean would be reading. I'd talk for like a minute and I would throw yeah. to him and then I would go through and read while he's, so we're not quite listening to each other. And then meanwhile, yeah. our chat, which does a fantastic job, they were keeping us up to date on everything. Yeah. On, you know, Hey, this just came out. And so we, so that was fantastic too, because we had all them hunting for. for and shout out to them too. They weren't throwing out nonsense stuff no. either. They were, they were putting actual good, like links in there and well not links but like check out mark stein check yep. out sam amick you know check this out like versus you know i know when we've done a couple live shows it's like Woj just announced you know uh, larry bird and magic johnson are coming back to play for the you know seattle expansion team right it's like what is this craziness <laughs> yeah so yeah we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the Showtime Lakers did just have a reunion in uh, in Hawaii, and they actually ran a little practice. They didn't look <laughs> didn't look too bad. Lakers have an open <laughs> roster spot. I'm just saying. Is that, is that how far it's fallen for you? That's, you're, that's, you're, that's you're, where we're that's at where right now. At. It can't be any worse than last year. <laughs> Kareem yeah, can go man. out there and hit a sky hook every now and then. He's only 75. It'll be that's fine. True. Yeah. Hey, if, you know what was funny, though, is it just goes to show you, like, they all still knew. Like, Pat Riley called out a set. And they all mm-hmm. went immediately into it. It was really cool. It was a, that, that was, that was a fun, you know, and that's fun too. And good for them for doing it while, you know, almost all the guys are still around. 
yeah. you know, not waiting to like, yeah, uh, you know, player X who was a key guy passed away and right. stuff. And yeah, a couple of them. I mean, Byron Scott looks like he could probably still put put up a few points at least in a you know high end pickup game. He looks like he's in pretty good shape. Yeah, that, that's for sure. They uh, they can still get it done out there. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about the CBA. Yeah, because there's probably going to be a new one. And I, I think so. Shams had an article today uh, in the Athletic about the new CBA. And before we get into the particulars, I want to say that the thing that struck me and and thing that I really appreciated was the vibe that this is going to get done, that these two sides, that we're not going to see a work stoppage or anything like that, that there's, you know, he mentioned in there that they navigated the NBPA and the NBA, they navigated some very, very difficult times through COVID Mm -hmm. that frankly, the CBA was not constructed to ever handle right there it was not it was not supposed to deal with a pandemic right and so they had to work together and negotiate a lot of things on the fly and because of that kind of the silver lining to obviously a a terrible thing in terms of pandemic but it's created this relationship between the nbpa and the nba that's obviously been doing very well financially and so that certainly helps as well but it's created this environment of of community and one where there's this this working relationship that feels like it is going to ultimately lead to a new collective bargaining agreement. We're not going to go back to like a shortened season due to a work stoppage or anything like that. Yeah. And that's why it's very important. If, you know, the fact that they're already working, we knew they were working in July. We heard that they had started high level talks. And I know people think that there are a million issues, right? We keep, you see the overreactions to like uh, this Kevin Durant thing, man, this CBA is going to be a battle and all that. That is a relatively minor issue on the grand scheme of things. It's just it's just not that big of a thing. Whereas the big things are always money, right? And they're basically saying, "Hey, we're splitting it for lack of you know getting super deep into this. We're basically splitting everything 50-50. And you know what? We're splitting a ton of money 50-50 between ownership and the players. And that's exactly the thing is, you know, I'm very fond of the saying, you know, it's better to have half a watermelon than a whole grape, yeah. right? You you just, they're, they're splitting up a massive pie here and everybody's, you know, rich. And I think in the article, you know, Tamika Tremaglio, the, the head, the new head of the NBPA on the, you know, uh, player's uh, side, she is, um, took over for Michelle Roberts. And one of the things she said is, look, we all have money now. Now it's about how do we create generational wealth? How do we sustain that for the players after? So I think things you're going to see is we're not going to talk about now because they're not really major subject. They're going to do a lot more for retired players. And we saw both the NBA and the MBPA do kind of joint resolutions to do more for retired players. Um, you know, So that's going to be an important thing. But the major issues are hammered out. Everything yeah. else now is details. Now there's a million details that need to come and there's yeah. going to be some things that are going to change. We're going to talk about a couple of them here in just a minute, but yeah, when you hear, if this does get to December 15th and there's a mutual opt out and they opt out, it's not like the season's going to stop because no. this season is covered and it's not like it's going to drag out guaranteed. They'll be done. Now guys like CJ McCollum and a couple of the other players, uh, Grant Williams is another guy who's pretty heavily involved. Jalen Brown from the Celtics. They're going to be busy in the off season in, in rather in season. Cause they're going to be doing their stuff for their teams. Paul also dealing with CBA stuff, but that's just the nature of it. And that's going to be how it goes. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're really hammering now, 
to try to, hey, before we even get to that opt-out, let's have something in agreement and in place. And a big part of it, as you referenced, is they got through that really rough three seasons uh, pandemic impacted with, I I don't want to brush it off and say it was easy or anything like that because it certainly wasn't, Mm -hmm. but they got through it and the league is coming out on the other side in a very, very good, healthy, strong place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so that is going to help get this next CBA done. Now, there are going to be some things to negotiate. Um, the, I think the Kevin Durant thing will come up. I, I think players asking. Oh, you know, yeah, when, absolutely. Like when yeah. we get in, we're going to get into like the luxury tax and all that. I'm sure there's things, there's going to be give and take in a lot of areas. It's not like December 15th, they opt out. December 16th, here's the new deal. No, there, there's. it's going to take some time to negotiate, but the general sense is it's going to happen. It's not a general sense of... Ooh, let's see if they can figure yeah. this out because this is going to be a mess. You know, it's not it's not like that. But uh, the first topic we want to get into the NBA age limit. It's going to be decreasing again, going back down to 18. It had bumped up to 19. So this now means that we can see players coming straight to the NBA out of high school. Uh, interesting to me. I always thought that when this came through, it would ultimately turn into a instead of just a one and done that going away it would then be two or none which means if you go to college you have to stay for two years you don't then you can go straight to the nba uh it doesn't sound like the two or none part of it is in there currently it sounds like it's just when you're 18 you can you can jump to the nba if you want yeah the nba has no business in sustaining college basketball right yeah or no interest i should say now you can argue maybe they should be a little bit more concerned but they're not they don't care they would rather have five or six versions of the G league ignite where kids are basically, they come right in as pros start training with pros and they go right into the G league and do their stuff there. Then anybody ever sets foot on a college campus. It's, you know, there's a reason why these, these coaches are even, you know, everybody points to, and God, it was 20 years ago now, almost Jermaine O'Neal, right. He, he went and sat the bench for the trailblazers sure. for years and then, you know, moved to the Pacers. And when he finally got his chance, he showed he could play. Well, part of it was, he sat the bench because he was developing, and that's what the Trailblazers were doing with him, was working with him. They'd rather that than him spending a year or two at Duke and working on his game there. So, yeah, that part doesn't surprise me as much. I thought you might see the NCAA push, and maybe they will. Maybe the NCAA will say, hey, if you come here, like you're committing to be here for whatever, or you lose full eligibility or whatever. Now, I think it'd be in their benefit to be a little bit more flexible and say like, hey, if you want to explore, which they've they've done, right? They've kind of tweaked in the last couple of years. You want to explore the draft process, and then de- you know, uh, uh, you know, come back and withdraw and come back to school. Great, where we're going to own that. You know, that's that's just smart on the NCAA side because I think they're realizing this is almost a game of survival for them because yeah. you'll just start losing these kids. But here's the kind of one of one of the big drawbacks to this though is every kid you allow into the league at 18. Teams are going to jump on them because they're going to say, here's a seven-foot kid at 18 with a ton of potential. We'll snag them. We'll let them develop for a couple years. We'll figure out where it is then. Then we'll, you know, we can match deals. We can do whatever we got to do contract-wise. We're going to have this kid, you know, for basically the, you know, into well into his mid to late 20s. What they're, every kid who that they pick like that, that's one more veteran who's going to be out of a job. Because they're probably not going to drastically increase the roster sizes. Um, I can't imagine that comes. It doesn't sound like expansion is super far off, but it's also not 
tomorrow, you know, it's probably not coming as this new CBA kicks in. So that is something to factor in. It, it's it's part of the whole deal. But the NBA wants players to be able to make that decision and say, we want to come. And more importantly, from their side, they want to be able to start working with these kids as soon as possible. We're talking 2024 probably is when this new CBA would be would be coming about. Yeah. Um, I also want to say, though, that if you do this, you are just naturally going to create more draft misses as well. You're going to create, there's going to be more players that are simply missed upon in the draft where you yeah. burn a pick and that player does not pan out because you just have one year less of information on that player. So, well, there's, there's the people who jump straight to the NBA, your Kobe, your KG, your, your LeBron, all those guys. And those guys obviously can do it. No problem. Yep. And, and it works out great and you get superstars and, and all of that. But there's also players who jump to the NBA and wound up missing and because you get one year less to evaluate that player, whereas had that player been in, for a, in college for another year, maybe you would have figured out, hey, this guy isn't quite ready. He needs to stay two years in college and then make that jump to the NBA. You are going to see more draft picks missed upon by teams once this goes into effect, I think. And, and that, I think that's not necessarily saying they shouldn't do this. I think that can be an acceptable trade-off, especially as the G League comes into play. And I want to ask you about this, Keith. I think what's really important, if you're going to do this and you're going to make this work the right way, I think, and I believe this is something they will do, they have to have some very strong safety nets in place to really support these players coming over. It's hard enough for a 19-year-old. For an 18-year-old, we've heard some of the horror stories. Of course, you go back and look at some of the things that Kwame Brown went through, jumping mm -hmm. straight to the NBA. You have to have support systems in place for these young players if you want to give them the highest possibility chance to succeed. Yeah, I completely agree. I think what we are going to see with this is we are going to get a handful of newly created jobs. And I, I, I don't know what to call this job, sure. but it's basically going to be almost like a caretaker type where what that person will do is they're really going to make sure, right? Because you're going to hand an 18 year old, you know, and they don't get all million dollars right away, but you're going to hand them thousands upon thousands of dollars. And the most, the other thing, a crap ton of free time yeah. because they're basically going to go to practice for a few hours, do their workout, do their lifting, do their stuff. That's probably about six hours a day total on a you know non-game day. And then they're going to be home for with 18 hours to kill. Mm -hmm. And yeah, certainly a bunch of them will plop down and play video games and, you know, do their thing. But a lot of them are going to be, I have thousands of dollars for the, a lot of, Yo, guys, and, I, and I'm not even making this a thing about, you know, poor inner, inner city kids and stuff. A lot of these kids, even the just middle 18 class 18-year-old in yeah, general. 18-year-olds <laughs> don't have thousands of dollars generally just hanging out to do whatever they want with. So that's something where you just need somebody. And I think what would be great is this is a great spot for some former players to get jobs with teams where they're kind of the ones there saying, Hey, let me help you out. Let me talk to you about, Hey, this is what you really should be doing with your time. We want to avoid this. We want to avoid that and do those kind of things. Cause we hear that even after one year of college, these guys come in. Cause remember they're not, I, I get it. Right. Everybody's going to laugh and be like, yeah, like these guys go to class. A lot of them do still go to class. You know, even in their one year in college, the one and done, but their time is very regimented and scheduled because of the way the college works in the NBA. It's going to be, Hey, you're at practice on time. You did all your other work. Great. See you later. We'll see you tomorrow. 
like or get back at it tomorrow at 8 a.m. or whatever. And then it's you're left to your own devices. Where in college, there's going to be 15 people checking in on you. So that's my first thing. I think we're going to see that. Teams are going to have to add scouts because they're going to have to be in high school gyms again. Mm -hmm. So instead of watching Duke, Kentucky play, and there's 10 first-round prospects between the two teams, you're going to have to go out and find these kids you know, in the gyms and those kind of things. And, yes, there's going to be high-profile events and the like where those um, you know, teams will meet each other. I know just down the road from me here in, in, in the Orlando area is Montverde Academy, which is basically a – you know, pro style, um, high level college style, the way they run their high school program. But even they still play, you know, uh, you know, uh, East West, you know, high school, you know, Florida. And, you know, and then they beat them by 90 points. And it's like, all right, what do we get out of this? So, so that's just something else to, to keep in mind, too. There's going to be, you know, guys in the gym. And then G League teams need to be ready to receive these kids because you're going to see a lot of these kids on the NBA roster and then moved. I think a you know, good compromise would be as long as you're going to pay everybody appropriately, something where these kids have to log some G League time if they come in straight from high school. Sure. You know, maybe it's, you know, hey, you're, you came straight out of high school, so you get a six-year contract, and maybe year one and year two look exactly the same contractually. And in year one, you are, you know, you're in the G League. That's just your your adjustment, your step into to the world of professional basketball. Last thing I will say on this is there's no reason why every single NBA ownership group couldn't commit to you come into the NBA, and I don't care if it's you come in straight out of high school, you come in after one year of college, whatever the, the case may be, we will pay for you to go get your college degree at a time of your choosing. So if a kid gets in, only last two, three years in the league, can't cut it, doesn't make it, he's, you know, can't even cut it overseas. He's out of basketball by the time he's 25. You're, you're taken care of. You can pick a school. We got you covered. Go get your education, your degree, and we'll help you along, you know, from there for the rest of the way. I like that. I like that idea. That would be a, a very strong way to support these players, especially the players who don't quite make it into, uh, into professional basketball long-term. Yep. Uh, another thing that popped up, Mental health designation being treated uh, just like a physical injury. The players will be able to get extra support for mental health, that they'll be able to designate that as a reason for them not being able to practice, not being able to potentially play. Obviously, Ben Simmons comes to mind when we when we think about this type of situation. But I think this is an important step for the league, though I could see where some fans will not receive this well because there's some that still see Ben Simmons as maybe abusing this situation in order to help further his trade request. But I think overall, if we set that aside, this is a very positive step for the league. And I believe the first of its kind for the major sports leagues. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to uh, make mental health issues simple at all because they're not, no. but as far as game day operations go, this is as simple as uh, player X is out with a sprained ankle, you know, injury did not play. Player Y is out with mental health, did not play, you mm -hmm. know, whatever designation they want to call it, whatever they want to, you know, agreed, agreed upon, call it. I don't see any reason why, you know, we can't have that, right? I think, right, I, I can't tell you how many times when I worked my office job, I was like, I just need a day. Like, I need a, right now, I would always say I need a mental health day. I need a day to take a break, to, to sit. I don't know why, you know, maybe an NBA player, you know, can't have one of those two. I think there's a major, major misconception that NBA players get true off days. Off days from games are not off days. They're rarely 
something where it is truly off. And if it is, it's usually like we're just coming back from a West Coast trip. We get in on a Sunday night, no game Monday. Monday is a true off day. You do whatever right. you want to do. But most of the time it is you got to go get treatment. There's probably a film session. It might be a walkthrough. There might be you know, X, Y, and Z. There's rarely true off days. There, there's you know maybe somewhere around ten in a total you know season that, that are built in that are actually true off days outside of the All Star break uh, period. So that's just something you know to, to to factor in as well, right? They 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 go really hard from end of September, you know, and if you're lucky enough, all the way till the end of June, you know that that's a pretty long period. You know, that's basically nine months. They, they, you're, you're, you're going really super hard the whole way through with very little downtime. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that is a challenge certainly for all players, especially when we talk about some of the younger players coming in as well. So this, I think is, is an important step. We'll be interesting to see how other sports leagues respond to this. Mm -hmm. Um, but in general, I think that the, the NBA has sort of led the charge to destigmatize the idea of, of mental health, the concept we've seen players, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, among others, um, who, have, who have championed this cause. And so I, I think this is a solid step forward for the NBA. Uh, again, we'll see exactly how this is implemented. But like you said, it shouldn't be that difficult to just change a designation um, on essentially an injury report. It's better than saying he's out with a sore back. Or sure. Yeah. Like make it something it, right? up. Right. Yeah. Like just be, you know, and it, what is, this is all made possible by players come out and being completely upfront and honest that mm -hmm. they, you know, have, have had these struggles in the past. Cause if they're upfront and honest, then there's nothing to hide from. This is not something you should be ashamed of. We all go through tough times and sometimes what you need is a little break and a little bit of help. And if this is what, what puts it there for those guys to get it, I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, all right. We also see potentially changes to the luxury tax. Teams are looking to make it uh, a bit more punishing to go into that tax. Um, and that that's something I, I know from the fan perspective, you think, well, why would teams want that? Why would teams want to have to pay more? Teams want to try. Teams are trying to save themselves from themselves. Yeah. That's, that's what you see. Playing field. Yes. Right. And so, and so it's trying to prevent from having to pay too much or add or have that pressure to add to your roster. And in, it, in addition, you can also level that playing field. If there's a sense, like you look at the luxury tax payments this year for the Clippers, for the Warriors, for some of these other teams, there was that kind of rumbling after this last season that the Warriors spent their way to a championship. Now, I don't, I don't buy that, but just NBA owners in general looking at it saying, well, the highest paying team and luxury tax, they won the championship because of course, because they paid more. We don't want a system where you can essentially buy a championship. So that's kind of the the argument here about make, making the luxury tax more punitive. Now, players, they don't want this because that means right. ownership is less willing to spend, less willing to give contracts, less willing to give longer term deals and on and on and on. So it's an interesting battle here as far as the luxury tax goes. Wouldn't surprise me if it does get a little bit more strict, but this will be an area where there's going to be some give and take, I think some compromise between the NBPA and the NBA. Yeah, I think this one opens the door for maybe you do things like, all right, we're going to have a stricter luxury tax, but in terms of actual cap hits, a guy like Stephen Curry, right? Who makes 50 plus million, almost 60 million a year. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. He only counts at X because he's re-signed by his original team or uh-huh. something like that. And that's a way you still allow the players to get paid, still allow the team to keep those players, but you're not going into these. I mean, the Warriors realistically could, if they re-sign some of their key guys in the next year or so, they could be looking at a four to five hundred dollar um luxury tax, you know, bill. That's on top of the you know, what will nearly be two hundred million dollars in salary. So you're talking five hundred million dollar, right? Yeah, is that what did I say? Uh, you said four to five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. yes, million dollars, yeah. million dollars. Um, they they yeah. would not mind that at all. Four yeah. to five hundred dollars, they'd be yeah. they'd be happy yeah, to pay, pay that. that. Yeah, that's that's they dropped that out of their pocket on the way into the locker room. <laughs> um, yeah, no, four to five hundred million dollars on top of a well, at that point it would be basically a two hundred dollar bro salary payroll. So you're talking over half a billion dollars you know, in tax plus salaries, like that's, you know, you're, you're, that's crazy. And so I think this will be, yeah, let's make it a little bit more punitive, but then we'll have some other measures potentially in place to still allow for players to get paid because you're absolutely right. What you do is even if you say it's not a hard cap, you're still kind of putting a hard cap on teams because you're still going to have teams like, yeah, I'm not going past the $180 million amount or whatever it is um, because I don't want to pay these ridiculous tax penalties. Um, Then the players are going to look at it and be like, well, now I'm out of a job because you know, we're going to see a bunch of teams um, carry an open roster spot into the regular season strictly out of luxury tax payment concerns and knowing, yeah, we'll fill it probably around the trade deadline or a little bit after that during buyout season, but they're going to go months and months and that's months and months of a lost job in the NBA. So that's something where players have a right to really be concerned. Now, ultimately big picture when we pan back, players are guaranteed their percentage of basketball related income, regardless of what teams spend or don't spend. So yeah. how do, how does all of that kind of come in, come into play here with, with this in terms of changing the luxury tax. I mean, obviously teams don't want to have to spend too much, but teams are going to have, like they, well, but to the CBA, ta- they have the, to spend a certain amount. The tax if, and forgive me, I'm a little bit of a cold medicine fog here. No I'll look it up and come back to you, but the tax money is not a, that's not part of the, it's not part of BRI. I know that would go yeah, into so a, that's, separate, a separate, that's where fund. it is. Right. Cause that's where the play. So, I mean, the players are still going to get their 50% of BRI no matter what. Right. Um, yeah, so that's still going to go to them. And, it, and quite frankly, they generally end up getting, I don't want to say more, but they 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 get 
plenty because there's a whole if we remember back to the pandemic season there's a whole right, we're going to put more in escrow and they hold mm-hmm. stuff in escrow and then players either get cut a they check or that money gets uh basically uh, redistributed amongst the owners and those kind of things so yeah they're still going to get paid they, they just don't want jobs lost because right. of it right because that's that's really what this comes down to instead it's- of you know, it's the jobs. Yeah, right. And that was the whole one of the whole issues with the two-way contracts was teams started, well, we've got these two guys on two-way contracts. Let's just use those instead of filling roster spots 14 and 15 for as long as we had to. And that became like kind of an issue for a while. And that seemed to work itself out. So hopefully this doesn't, you know, go there. But yeah, I think we're gonna see some some uh uh well, what downstream changes because of this if, if they get more punitive here i think we'll see some other changes that'll be really interesting to track as well all right we've got one more topic we went longer than i even planned to today which is <laughs> par for the course for us but let's yeah. let's knock this one out and then get you get you back to to doing some some resting there and hopefully uh recovering from that cold uh kendall brown david duke jr get get two-way contracts with the pacers and the nets uh respectively We've, we've most of the the smaller signings, the exhibit ten deals and stuff. We we haven't covered those because frankly, you don't we don't really need to. But the, these are two two way contracts that could you know could potentially matter. Yeah, absolutely. On those exhibit tens, we spent a lot of time talking about that in our last show, where we really went in depth and why some of the what guys it is. Are, right. Yeah, exactly. Why some of these guys you're seeing get signed and then waived almost immediately and the like. But with uh. Kendall Brown, he was drafted by the Pacers with the the assumption that he'd be on a two-way. Um, so that is going to happen. And then David Duke Jr. was on a two-way with the Nets, and he flashed at times and looked pretty good. Uh, there was a thought of maybe he would get a standard contract by the end of the season. They didn't end up having to do that. They, they kind of kept him around, um, and then they kept his restricted rights. So now he'll be back on a two-way. He's somebody I think – actually, both of these guys, I think there's a good chance they play themselves off those. Uh, before this season is over and we're seeing more teams be more and more open to that idea if the guy's good enough yeah get him off the two-way get him on the regular roster and let's go let's get him signed and move along we know the pacers they're they're sitting on you know 30 million in cap space so they're certainly going to be in a position where they could probably do something like that and for the nats in duke it's probably something as simple as you know give them part of their remaining exception or uh, get them on to you know a minimum deal for a couple years like they did with uh, kessler edwards a year ago right right all right i think that wraps things up we'll get keith out of here so he can go rest up and hopefully go back uh, to bed. From, from this cold yeah back, back to bed but everybody appreciate you for joining us make sure you do subscribe to the nba for office show over on youtube apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts please make sure you do follow us as the season starts up we're so excited going to be so much to talk about in the world of the nba till next time everybody see ya and stay safe Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.